Welcome to the most listened to golf in the world, the Fairways of Life show, on air, online, and around the world. With the most candid interviews, unforgettable stories, taking you beyond the ropes. Here's your host, New York Times best-selling author and Golf Channel's Matt Adams. Welcome into the Fairways of Life show, folks. It is an absolute delight to have your company from wherever you are joining us. What a finish it was to the Honda Classic. We're going to talk about that in just a second and hear from its victor. But first and foremost, I want to celebrate and inform that while this is the Arnold Palmer Invitational Week, you are about to hear from the great man himself. Uh, coming up in the show today, we are going to feature an interview that we did with Arnold Palmer. It is, we believe, the last full-form sit-down interview that the man ever conducted, and we had a chance to go in and really pick his brain about some really cool things, which I'll be talking about in just a little while. But as to what took place at the Honda Classic, you know, it's funny how it goes. Here you have the Honda Classic. And it's in between PGA Tour designated events, right? And so the field wasn't as strong as it used to be in the past. And yet when it was all said and done, that battle between Kirk and Cole, this young Eric Cole, I say young, but he's a 34-year-old rookie on the PGA Tour of distinctive lineage, Uh, that they were able to go and battle it out right down to the finish. And it was compelling and it was exciting. The lead changing late on a Sunday and back. And yet, victory ultimately secured. You know, for Chris Kirk, it had been eight years since he last won on the PGA Tour. And his story is a compelling one. Remember, he was very honest and shared with the world his addiction, his alcoholism, his recovery from that, what it means to him, what it means to his family. Now we see what it means to his game as well. Let's hear from Chris Kirk after his win. You know, definitely still trying to wrap my head around it for sure. Um, but I'm just so I'm so thankful to, to be able to do what I do for a living. Um, I'm very thankful to have the life that I have and, and uh, to have the opportunity to compete on a stage like this and a tournament like this and, and to, to be able to pull it off is, you know, a huge bonus. <clears throat> Sorry, a huge bonus for me. And, um, yeah, just, I mean, unbelievable. Like I said, I don't, I don't have the words yet. Yeah, I owe, I owe everything that I have in my entire life to my sobriety. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing this for a living anymore. I probably wouldn't have the the family that I have currently anymore. Um, you know, I was came really close to to losing everything that I cared about, um, and so for that to to have have happened and and worked out for me, um, obviously it was some decisions that I that I made, but mostly the grace of God and and a lot of other people that that really helped me along the way, um, but. Yeah, that's a that's something that's constantly in my mind. So it's it's pretty easy for me to see that, you know, winning winning the Honda Classic is kind of a bonus. You know, uh, when literally everything every good thing I have in my life I owe to that. Um, I'm not gonna lie to you. I've been I came into this week at 47th in the World Golf Ranking, and that's usually not something that I care a whole lot about. Uh, but I have not played the Masters since 2000. 16 I think Um, and you know growing up in Georgia that you know kind of means everything to me so I've been 
I've been watching that world ranking closely, trying to you know stay in the top fifty. Uh, but to to take care of it it this week is you know that's going to be something that's incredibly special. You know, last time I played my my son, my two older sons, Sawyer and Foster, were I think maybe two, just turned two, and like four months old. Um, so now to be able to go back. They'll be 11 and 9, and then Wilder, my third son, will be 5. Um, so that part 3 contest can't come soon enough. Uh, it's, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that the, the whole week. Um, but just to, to be able to make those memories with my, with my wife and my kids will be awesome. I've gotten to see it firsthand. Thankfully, it's been amazing um, getting to connect with people and, and meet people that have, you know, it's been... I couldn't really put a number on it, but it's been a lot of people that have reached out to me directly and said, I I read your story or I heard your story and, and that made me decide that it was time. You know, um and when I when I first came back to playing and was and was very open and honest about it, that was not in my mind at all. You know, it was more uh it was it was for me because I felt I'd lived this life for a number of years where I was just, you know, lying to myself, lying to my family, lying, you know, and hiding a lot of things. And so the the honesty of of the process that I went through to get better just felt so good that I had nothing to hide. And so it was just the natural thing for me to do. Um, but now on the on the back end a little bit, um, it's been. It's been amazing. You know, it's not, like I said, not something that I really saw happening, but to be able to connect with people and hear people that, you know, for somebody to say, I got sober because of you and my life has changed because of you. I mean, that's, I mean, you you can't really describe how unreal that is with words. I think that, I think that the situations that I was in at the Sony and the Amex, even though I did not win either of those two two tournaments. Um, my mindset changed after those two weeks from maybe I can still win out here to I definitely can still win out here. I didn't know when it was going to happen or if it was going to, you know, for it to happen as soon is incredible. But the, the way I played those two weeks, especially Sunday at the Amex, um, you know, coming down the stretch, I just felt great. I was, I was nervous, but I felt great. And I hit so many great shots, and I hit a ton of great putts. And unfortunately, on the back nine of Amex, none of them went in. But um, you know, I felt like I executed, you know, almost flawlessly. And uh, so, to do that, even though it didn't work out, it was just like you know, I know that, I know that if I if I do that again, it's going to work next time. Uh, on the PGA Tour, yes, I, w- I did win a uh, Corn Ferry Tour event a few years ago, and. Uh, yeah, so I was able to, but I, I think we'll probably celebrate tonight the same way. So Sep, Sep, who won last year, is known for his uh, very high Diet Coke consumption. And uh, I'm probably pretty close to him, actually. Uh, so I remember last year we, all, we ended up back in this house together that night, and that was the first thing he did is poured a bunch of Diet Cokes in there. So what, I'll probably do the same. Uh, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't really think about it, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, I just am, I'm so excited to to celebrate tonight with my with my friends and and 
you know, obviously wish that my, my wife and kids were down here with me, but I'll get to see them on Wednesday. They're coming down for uh, Bay Hill next week. And, and uh, so, yeah, it'll be a lot of celebrating. And, you know, I am uh, thank God that alcohol won't be a part of it. <laughs> Chris Kirk, the winner at the Honda Classic. Now, Eric Cole came so close. And in many ways, I think most of the world was introduced to Eric Cole for the very first time. So let's hear what his thoughts are on reflection of not necessarily not getting the job done, but being in a position where he got so close and proved so much to himself. Yeah, sure. No, it uh, it was a great week overall. And, you know, I uh, played three really good days of good ball striking. And then today, especially on the front nine, my ball striking wasn't where it needed to be. And I, I felt like I hung pretty tough, and I was really proud of that. I played as hard as I could. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm disappointed in the result, but... Uh, you know, it is what it is. Chris played great all day, so, uh, you know, congratulations to him. And I was uh, I was trying my best, but uh, I can't wait to get back in that environment again. It was a lot of fun. Well, I loved it. It was a lot of fun. Um, I can't wait to uh, get back and do it again. Um, and I was also, like I said, I didn't have my best stuff today, and I was proud of uh, how hard I fought and, you know, kind of stayed in it uh, there on the back nine. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's a long road. Um, even before Corn Ferry Tour, uh, you know, I played a lot of tournaments all over the place. So, uh, um, but yeah, it's it's one of those things where if you play good golf, you know, you kind it kind of takes care of itself. And uh, you know, like I said, I was just so happy to be out there today. This day, uh, I think it's probably all of it. I'm in a good spot. I mean, uh, my fiance and I live 30 minutes from here, so got to stay at home and spend time with our dog and. Uh, you know, some stuff that I don't get to do on a weekly basis. So that was nice. And I think that probably had me in a good mood, maybe. We'll go with that. I think it's just two things, probably. uh, I've said it a couple of times already, but just like how hard I fought not having my best stuff today and uh, how much fun it was being in that moment. Uh, You know, I really enjoyed it and uh, I can't wait to do it again. Eric Cole, after his near miss, at the Honda Classic, such a beautiful golf swing. Surely his parents have taught him a great deal about that, and his dad uh, with distinction on the PGA Tour and a winner there too in Bobby. So it was fun, and it's very much something we're looking forward to doing again this week, having fun, that is, with the Arnold Palmer Invitational. As I mentioned to you, uh, this interview that you're going to be hearing coming up from Mr. Palmer will split it up into a couple of segments, uh, but It is something that is special to us, and it's something that we're hoping to be able to do with regularity as the years progress. And I did want to remind everybody, please make sure you subscribe to the Fairways of Life show on our YouTube channel. Then you can watch us live day in and day out as we broadcast weekdays uh, on YouTube, as well as our national broadcasts with our affiliates throughout the United States. The Fairways of Life show is presented in part by DeWiz Golf. Log on to DeWizGolf.com, and you can see this incredible wearable device based on neuroscience that measures your golf swing in real time in space. They say feel isn't real. Well, now you can know exactly what your swing is really doing and learn and thus play in a way that you never have before with DeWiz Golf. Just log on to DeWiz golf.com. It is still early here. The sun is still coming up. I am just outside of NBC Sports Studios. I'm hosting up here for Golf Channel this week, and we will be back with more of the Fairways of Life show right after these words coming up, that interview that we think is so cool and so special, and we really hope you do too, with Mr. Arnold Palmer. Stay with us. Yeah.
Easy now. Find your happy place. The PGA Tour Superstore. It's all in the hips. Where every swing is possible. Just tap it in. Yes! <laughs> Find all the latest gear, apparel, and personalized club fittings. Is this goodbye? We've only just begun. Shop with the pros at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. In Ireland, golf is more than just a game. Come and experience our world-famous Lynx courses and our world-famous Parkland courses, all set alongside world-famous scenery. And visit our world-famous historic sites. And while you're here, enjoy our world-famous hospitality. Press the green button and start your journey at ireland.com slash golf. It screams. It tracks. It's soft. It reacts. It is the Bridgestone Tour B with a game-changing reactive cover designed to spring faster off your driver and stick longer to your wedges. Try Bridgestone's Tour Bs. The Tour Ball reinvented. Nothing feels quite like hitting a PXG iron. That's because we use hollow body construction coupled with the thinnest club face in golf and a vibration-absorbing polymer. These technologies make hitting our irons feel soft as warm butter on a hot biscuit and create a bigger sweet spot, which means more forgiveness, better distance, and lower scores. Play PXG and see how sweet, real power, and incredible forgiveness can be. PXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. It's as easy as 5-2-3. Doesn't get any easier. This Houdini soul is like magic. When you just need to launch it. I wish more of my pro-am partners had these. I wish more of everybody had these. Because golf is hard. So make it easier. Make it 5-2-3-zier. If there was a trophy for the most forgiving clubs, these would win every year. You want to talk about winning? You know he knows a bit about that. Pound for pound, nothing comes close. This is the Wiz. It tracks your swing in real time. Got it. One, zero, one. Gives you feedback in real time so you feel where you are in your golf swing. Transition, plus 4.2 inches. Length of backswing, 50.3 inches. The Wiz have really helped me to keep that consistent swing. Instead of guessing, I get the direct feedback. Transition on plane. That's the mic drop. Folks, welcome back to the Fairways of Life show. So as you heard me mention in the last segment, because this is the Arnold Palmer Invitational Week, we are going to spend some time on an interview that we did a few years back with Mr. Palmer. It was actually done after he fell and got injured, and that was kind of the timeline, the sequence that led to, unfortunately, the passing of Mr. Palmer. He just physically got weaker and weaker, it seemed, after that. He had slipped on a throw rug in in his house and landed on his right shoulder and hurt himself very, very badly. In fact, there's a story from behind the scenes of this interview that you guys are about to watch that I thought I would share with you, and it was the day that we had the interview planned— uh, the camera crew, audio crew, got there before I did. 
Um, by the time I came into the, the, it was a tiny little house just next to the 18th Green at Bay Hill. And by the time I got there, the, they already had a high back chair that you're going to see in the video Mr. Palmer sitting in set up. They, we had one camera trained on him. It, it never cut away to me. It didn't need to cut away to me. It wasn't about me. It was about Mr. Palmer, obviously. And I was amazed at this tiny little house that we were in. It it definitely had one bedroom. I don't know if it had more than that, and it was small. It had a galley-style kitchen. It had a sitting room, like a little, I wouldn't even call it necessarily a living room. It didn't seem quite that formal, but it was kind of a sitting room. And again, in the interview, you can see it behind Mr. Palmer's shoulder. And then off to our right, there was a long, thin dining table that clearly had been an area that had been an outdoor patio that they had at one time or another decided they were going to enclose. And now it was on the inside of the house, and yet even with it being added to the square footage of the house, it was still really small. And I'm explaining all this to you because it speaks to who Mr. Palmer was. We were there waiting. There was a long hallway that went down to the the front door. And as we were waiting, we heard the front door start to give way, someone turning the handle, and we assumed it was Mr. Palmer and his handlers coming in, and when the door opened, because it was recorded, of course, outside of Orlando at Bay Hill, when he opened the door, the crack of light that came in came searing into the room like a laser beam, and when the door was fully opened, there we saw the unmistakable silhouette of Arnold Palmer, crouched but still powerful, still the man that we knew him as. And no one was with him. There were no handlers. There was no one else there. And labored, he made his way down this short hallway and came to that high back chair that I mentioned to you. And he sat down with kind of a, oh, kind of a harumph, you know, and he was looking around. And to no particular person, he said, and bear in mind, this is Arnold Palmer that even at this time was probably making upwards to, what, $30 million a year in endorsements? And he looked around at this tiny little house from this man that could live in any kind of castle that he wanted to. And he said, he said, I used to live here. And then his eyes settled on mine. And he said, and I'm thinking about moving back in again. And the humility of that, not that it was a surprise to me, I it's what exactly what I expected from Arnold Palmer because of who he was. But the humility of it struck me nonetheless, given the circumstance and 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 the chance to be in this man's presence. It it's very emotional even to this day. It's amazing. So then when we got ready to do the interview, I I was sitting in front of him in a you know kind of a almost a, a stool level chair, you know, like you'd have at a bar, and. I was nervous, and I had a long pad, you know, legal pad, yellow pad, and I had written down on it his major accomplishments. And you're going to hear them at the start of the interview. But what I didn't know until I saw this air was that as I was looking down at the pad and reading through his life's accomplishments, Mr. Palmer was listening and, and he, you could tell he was starting, it was starting to take in. You could start to see the sparkle in his eyes and that famous Palmer grin as I was going through all of these elements of who this great man was. 
and what he did for the game of golf, which was absolutely remarkable. And I guess the last thing I'd mention to you before you guys get a chance to see the interview in the next segment is that my favorite part of the interview was when I asked Mr. Palmer if I could say to him a name and he just share with me the first thing that came to his mind. And so we went back as far as Walter Hagen and he told a really cool story about Walter Hagen, Bob Jones, um, Ben Hogan, and his Ben Hogan story is may surprise you if you don't know much about the relationship between Arnold Palmer and Ben Hogan. So to think that we went back that far and we went all the way up to the modern players and how strong the modern players are, the Tiger Woods of the world, et cetera, during, during his run. So we hope every year that we get an opportunity to honor Mr. Palmer by airing this interview with him. Again, we believe it was his last long-form sit-down interview that he ever conducted. And hopefully remind all of us of how special a man he was. Again, what he meant to the game of golf. And I also kind of hope in my heart that new generations of people get to find out more about who Arnold Palmer was and why he meant so much to the game of golf. So that will be coming up in just a moment. Hey, we want to ask all you guys, if you get a chance, please log on to our Fairways of Life YouTube channel and subscribe. Uh, I know you guys are watching us from coast to coast, wherever you are getting us. Please log on to our YouTube channel and subscribe there as we're trying to build up that basis as well as we broadcast uh, every day uh, live during the week. So you can see that also. The Fairways of Life show is presented by the PGA Tour Superstore. They are the number one golf retailer in all of America. Whatever your game needs, surely you can find it inside of their big, beautiful stores. They're staffed by the best. They are professionals. You can shop with the pros. I think a great place to get started is PGATourSuperstore.com. When we come back, Mr. Arnold Palmer. I guess, hello world, huh? <laughs> and with one subtle hello, Tiger began an amazing and unthinkable career. I've done it for 20 years now with, with Bridgestone. It allows me to play an aggressive style around the greens, and it's allowed me to win a lot of tournaments. Bridgestone Golf, proud to be part of your journey. Boyne Golf provides the ultimate world-class golf destination with 10 championship-caliber courses spanning three resorts. Centered in Michigan's northern Lower Peninsula, the courses are the products of some of the game's masters, including Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross. From the all-inclusive vacation packages, elite instruction with the Boyne Golf Academy, tournaments, and so much more, Boyne Golf truly offers an unrivaled Michigan golf vacation experience. Just log on to boynegolf.com. This is the Wiz. It tracks your swing in real time. Got it. One zero one. Gives you feedback in real time. Do so you feel where you are in your golf swing? Transition plus four point two inches. Length of back swing fifty point three inches. The Wiz have really helped me to keep that consistent swing. Instead of guessing, I get the direct feedback. Transition on plane. That's the mic drop. Easy now, find your happy place. 
the PGA Tour Superstore. It's all in the hips, where every swing is possible. Just tap it in. Yes! <laughs> Find all the latest gear, apparel, and personalized club fittings. Is this goodbye? We've only just begun. Shop with the pros at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. Nothing feels quite like hitting a PXG iron. That's because we use hollow body construction coupled with the thinnest club face in golf and a vibration-absorbing polymer. These technologies make hitting our irons feel soft as warm butter on a hot biscuit and create a bigger sweet spot, which means more forgiveness, better distance, and lower scores. Play PXG and see how sweet, real power, and incredible forgiveness can be. PXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. In Ireland, golf is more than just a game. Come and experience our world-famous Lynx courses and our world-famous Parkland courses, all set alongside world-famous scenery. And visit our world-famous historic sites. And while you're here, enjoy our world-famous hospitality. Press the green button and start your journey at ireland.com golf. Champion, architect, ambassador, mentor, role model, icon, legend, the king. There's a lot of names that describe Arnold Palmer. His accomplishments, however, probably describe it most emphatically. Fifth all-time on tour and wins. A four-time Masters champion in 1958, 1960, 1962, and 1964. The U.S. Open champion in 1960. Winner of the Open Championship in 1961 and 1962. In 1974, he went into the World Golf Hall of Fame. Overall, he has more than 90 professional victories. Leading money winner, four times. PGA Player of the Year, two times. Varden Trophy winner, four times. The Sports Illustrated Sportsman of the Year in 1960. The Bob Jones Award recipient in 1971. Old Tom Morris Award in 1983. The PGA Tour Lifetime Achievement Award in 1988, the Payne Stewart Award in 2000, the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2004, the Congressional Gold Medal in 2009. Arnold Palmer played on six Ryder Cup teams, last playing captain, in fact, for the United States, and was captain again in 1975. Mr. Palmer, it's nice to have your company, sir. Thank you. How are you feeling? Pretty good. I'm starting to... Uh Get back to normal. I feel fine. Thank you. you. The shoulder, you dislocated it in December, correct? Yes. What happened? I fell. I was on my way to speak at the father-son and slipped on a carpet and did a 360 and landed on my shoulder. Oh. And it's been a long, hard battle to try to get it better. Yeah, the healing has to take some time. Did you know right away the severity of the injury? Could you tell when you went down? Well, I knew it wasn't good when I hit the floor, and uh, it scared me. Uh, I've got to say that, and uh, I've been working hard to get it back. I feel like I'm about ready to go, but <laughs> it'll be it'll be a couple of days yet. Is it uh, a foregone conclusion that the thing you miss the most is the ability to swing a golf club right now? Well, you know, I always fiddle with clubs, and I hit the swing all the time, and I haven't been able to do that uh, since the accident. When, when will they <coughs> let you start to putt or at least uh, chip a little bit? 
Well, I hit some shots, uh, various shots uh, on the range, uh, wedges and that sort of thing. But that's about as far as I've gone. And, uh, my therapist says uh, another day or two will not hurt, just hold off. I have to tell you, Mr. Palmer, that in January of this year, my oldest son, uh, who, he blew his ACL out playing soccer, and he was operated on at the Arnold Palmer Children's Hospital. And in as much as, you know, having a child go through any type of surgery is, is a disconcerting experience, the experience at the hospital that bears your name was as pleasant as it possibly could be. <coughs> and I wonder... <coughs> when you list all those when you hear all those accomplishments that you have to your credit in your life, where does that hospital place for you personally? Well, it's right at the top of the list. It's uh, the hospital, what they do for the kids uh, is, and ladies is wonderful. Uh, the doctors, the aides, uh, the, the workers that are given their time to take care of the hospital. It's pretty fantastic. I have to say, respectfully, at 85 years young, even with the, the injury and the healing, you look good, you look vibrant, you still have that spark in your eye. Are you enjoying your work still? Does it still motivate you every day? Oh, yes. I, I still work every day, and I still... Uh, get a kick out of it and uh, sometimes I get tired and want to go to sleep and do uh, but that's the difference uh, and, and I miss playing golf uh, that's something that uh, I never done in my life uh, not played yeah so I'm I'm looking forward to getting back to hitting the ball to this point of your work during the Arnold Palmer Invitational presented by MasterCard, you discussed with the assembled media that you're building a golf course in Scotland, and it's your first one in Scotland. Could you talk to us about that project? Well, it's one that uh, I'm looking forward to. It <laughs> is a new project for me. Uh, it's just north of St. Andrews, and uh, it's one that uh, we're going to really put a lot of time into and, and hopefully make it a really great golf course. One of the stories that I just heard recently was, and I guess it was prompted by, you know, Rory had a club throw in Doral. And someone told a story about when you were a kid, you were in a junior tournament, I believe, right? And you threw a club. Could you tell us that story and what happened? Well, I, I was playing in a junior tournament. I was 16, and uh, I was playing pretty good. And I was playing the mayor of Pittsburgh's son, uh, Waddell, and uh, I missed a, a short putt on the uh, 17th hole, and I turned and let the putter fly, and over a row of trees, and and my father was there, and, and as it turned out, I hold the putt on the last hole to win the match, and I got in the car to go home with my family, and it was dead silent. There was not a sound, and I expected something, at least nice going or something. The next thing I heard was the chewing out. And, and if you ever do that again, you'll never play golf as long as you live in my house. And that was my father talking, and he was very serious. 
did you ever throw a club again? Well, maybe a little pitch, but <laughs> not real bad. Uh, that taught me a lesson. When you think about your dad and the lessons that he taught you over the years, could you boil it down to one philosophy or one piece of advice? Well, I learned everything I know from my father, and, uh, and I can't ever uh, thank him enough for what he did for me in my youth. I've heard you speak about your dad in saying that he concentrated on the fundamentals, the fundamentals of the game from, from grip onward. Uh, could you comment on, on that perspective from, from your dad? Well, he was a, a fundamental man. He, he was very basic. Uh, he taught me the grip, the stance, the position, uh, and all the things that I learned about the game of golf, he taught me. And I can't, as I said, I can't thank him enough because it was something that I still use uh, every day of my life. And uh, I'm very grateful for what he did. When he put your hands on the club, that grip, that famous grip, what did he say to you? He said, now, don't you ever change that, boy. And, and I knew he meant it. And I haven't. I still hold the club much to the way that he put my hands on the club. That strength in fundamentals, that giving you the belief that you can do it the way that you see it. I think back to the story, 1954, U.S. Amateur, Wilson Golf sends Gene Sarazen out to scout you. And he came back and said he lunges at the ball, he plays a hook. I don't see it developing into much. We just recounted what you developed into. Was that part of the motivation, the competitive makeup of Arnold Palmer to, at least initially, to prove to the world that you can do this? Well, that's one of the other things that my father taught me uh, in my learning stages of the game of golf. He he gave me the basic fundamentals, and, uh, and he taught me not to talk too much about what I could do show people and he drove that home with me he said and and it's something that I remember very very well Uh, show them don't talk about it when you have quiet times to reflect to sit in front of a fireplace perhaps and just relax where does your mind go what are the what are the times that you look back on and reflect well, of course, I, I usually remember the good times we had, uh, the golfing days, the, the things that I did with my father and mother, uh, and they, they are all things that are very pleasant, things that I love, uh, whether it's skiing down the hill or ice skating or playing golf. Uh, they, were, they were all things that were very pleasant, and today I enjoy remembering them. When you go back to Augusta National, one of the things I wanted, I've been dying to ask you about is the Champions Dinner. Can you remember your first Champions Dinner? Oh, yes. Uh, and, of course, I remember most of the people that were there. And uh, uh, there wasn't a large crowd. It was very limited. And it was wonderful. Uh, 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 Sarzen was there, for sure. 
and Bob Jones uh, was one of my favorites, and he was there, and uh, and it was nice to talk to him, to talk to these people, uh, because it was my first dinner, and to hear them and listen to them uh, tell stories about how some of the other golfers played, and the guys like Claude Harmon, and uh, guys that were really known for what they did and how they played was, was fun. Was there anyone over those years and since, was there anyone that you in particular wanted to sit next to at this champion's dinner because you knew it would be entertaining? Well, no, but I enjoyed Kerry Middlecoff. And Byron Nelson was one of my very favorites of all time. I think that he might have been the best that I ever had uh, the opportunity to know and to talk to. And, and, and he talked to me about things that he has done and he did. And those are things that I'll never forget. That is impressive. What was Bob Jones like to be around? Uh, Bob Jones was a great guy. He was one that talked uh, and didn't mind talking. I remember uh, he watched me make a putt on one of the holes uh, during a match, and it was about a eight-footer. And, and when I finished, he he came over to me and he said, "Arn, he says, let me tell you something. He says, if I ever have a putt for my life." I'm going to come and get you to putt it for me. That just sent a chill through Isn't me. Isn't it fun? Yeah, it's fun. I, I want to, if, if I may, I want to ask you about some historic figures in the game and, and your recollection and reaction to them. Walter Hagen. Walter Hagen was also a very close friend, and I corresponded with him. He was the first man that I talked to after I uh, won the Open. Uh, and, and uh, he called me on the phone and congratulated me, and on what a thrill that was. And then I got to know him. I met with him a number of times, and he said, Now, Arnie, he, a couple things he said that were very pointed. He said, When I die, he says, I want you to remember that I asked you to be a, be a pallbearer for me. And, you know, things like that that were... Uh, and he was sick at the time, and uh, of course he thrilled me to death with his with the things that he told me. And, uh, and as a matter of fact, I was a pallbearer in the Walter Hagen funeral. Wow, Dow Finsterwald, one of my best friends ever. Uh, Dow and I have been close since uh, we played uh, well amateur golf, and then professional golf and we traveled together all over the world and uh, he was he, he was a very close personal friend that that I'm very proud to say we've been friends all our lives. Sam Snead. Sam Snead is a guy that you never get real close to Sam but he and I were buddies because we played on a lot of teams together and, and he was a guy that uh, he never forgot anything, and, and of course I remember that. And uh, he was—he uh, was a good guy. He was a good guy. He—he he didn't waste words too much. He said what he had on his mind and and got on with it. 
I've, I've talked to you in the past about your relationship with Ben Hogan, and in my reflection on it, I would describe it as complicated. Is that fair? Well, I suppose that's fair. Uh, Hogan and I, I wouldn't ever call the relationship really close, although we were partners and we talked a lot. Uh, but we were never real close buddies. Mm -hmm. uh, Hogan uh, never called me by my name. He is always, hey you, or uh, fella, or something like that, which I objected to a little bit. How about Gary Player? Gary and I are very close. We were close all our lives. We played big three golf and uh, we did a lot of things together. A lot of shows, a lot of uh, golf, and something that uh, I think that will last forever. Of course, I have to ask you about Jack Nicklaus. Well, Jack is a good friend. He's a uh, he is a personal friend, and he's a guy that uh, I can appreciate and understand very well and enjoy being with. There were a couple players that golf lost in recent months that I wanted to ask you about. One that you're directly, both that you're directly tethered to. The first, Cal Nagel, who passed away, of course, the, which takes us back to the 1960 Open Championship. And I wonder if you could speak to that man for a second. Well, Cal was the guy that kept me from winning the Open at uh, St. Andrews, and he played very well, and and I knew him pretty well, and he was a really nice man. He's one of the nicest men uh, that I have had an association with in the game of golf. And uh, I, I enjoyed our relationship, the fact that we spent time together and uh, competed against each other uh, many, many times, and uh, he was a guy that I will always remember. Mr. Billy Casper, of course, passed away recently. Well, Bill Casper was a good friend also, even though we didn't spend a lot of time together. Uh, we played competitively all of our active life, and Bill was a much better player than anybody gave him credit for being. Uh, he played the game very well and and was a good guy. He was he he was a good guy and a good friend to me. When you look at the game today, and you've described it to me in the past that players today are very physical. To, it was the word that you used with me. If you could, through through some stroke of magic, if you could have lived and competed in a different time than that which you did, would you? take that option, would you be competing at a different time? Would I like to be competing at a different time? I'm not sure. I think I had the opportunity to play in the best time of my life. Uh, the golfers were good. Uh, the Hogans, the Sneeds, the Sarsons, the, the uh, Nelson, uh, Middlecoffs, they were great players. And it was a thrill for me to have played against all of them. What is the next mountain to climb for Arnold Palmer? Well, I'd like to see uh, golf continue on the road that it's, it's, it's on. I hear people say golf is falling. I don't think it is. I think it's just pausing right now.
for a little get back to it again. And I think that we will see uh, these young people that are coming along will make a great difference in the game of golf in the years to come. Are you impressed with the young players today? I am very impressed by some of them. Yes, they're very good. If there was one thing in today's game, the golf game today, you could change, what would that one thing be? I suppose that I'd leave the game alone. I'd play, I'd try to speed it up a little bit. I think that would be uh, uh, something that we could use very much in, in the game now to get these young people to play a little quicker. Uh, and for the rest of it, I think it's very good. Years and years from now, Mr. Palmer, what do you want the legacy of Arnold Palmer to be? Well, uh, I suppose that just that I have made a contribution to the game to help make it a little better. You have that, sir. Thank you for your time today. Thank you. Incredible. Arnold Palmer. And again, that interview was conducted, we believe, the last long-form sit-down interview that Mr. Palmer ever did. The insights were, as I hope you found to be the same, incredible from Mr. Palmer. And thank you to Mr. Palmer for the memories and the significance of the contribution that he made to the game of golf. Enjoy the Arnold Palmer Invitational this week. Thank you so much for your company, and we look forward to sharing it again here in the Fairways of Life show. Until then, goodbye for now.